Who are you? Whoever you want me to be. Don't say I never gave you anything. It's feeling epic. Three words. Eight letters. Hello, hello. Welcome to the OC, bitch. Today, <laughs> today we have a very special episode for you. We are talking all about the newly released book, Welcome to the OC, which is an oral history written by Alan Sepinwall and Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage. And they have interviews with the entire cast and crew of the OC. Um, me and Claire just spent the last couple of days reading this, and we are excited to get into all the juicy gossip of this book and to tell you all the tea. Yes. This was highly anticipated, I feel like. I've been like waiting for this book to come out for months. Like I heard about it on some other TV podcasts, and I was like, oh, I got to like make a note for the release date of this book. And I'm excited to have finally read it and talk about it with you. Um, yeah, we're going to get into all the juicy gossip, mm-hmm. everything that we learned. We're going to get all into it. I am just like, it's so interesting because I never would have thought that they would have come out with this book and that they would have gotten so many of like these actors and people involved with this show to participate. Yeah, the turnout from all of the actors, like there was really nobody that I was missing, like no voice that I was like, oh, I really wish like so and so could have commented. I you have feel a differently. Few. Okay, I have a few that I wish. <laughs> well, were we'll, in we'll it. get there. We'll yeah. get there. But I think um, I was, you know, really thrilled with all the people that they talked to. I know, um, and also fast. Fascinated to know that um, uh, Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage were the ones who were behind the idea. Oh, I know. Which I think like, yeah, I've read other oral histories before and I thought that this one was great that the two creators of the show were heavily involved and like very honest, I thought, in everything that they said of like the creating of the show. I feel like if you're like interested in how TV is made... Um, like this is a really good book and a really good insight into that. Yeah, and I think it's such a unique thing because this show is such a unicorn in a way. Yeah. Um, and it was so um, g- sort of groundbreaking and so zeitgeisty that to yeah. have this sort of behind the scenes of all the people who were like, no, we we knew that it was like that at the time, and we yeah. sort of that um, that reflection of like twenty years later and being like, we didn't know what it was going to be. We didn't fully know what we were doing. We were just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. Um, was really interesting, and and I think, sort of, you know, it helps me understand why they did all these things. When I was watching, and I'm right. like, why did they do this? And it's like, oh well, they, you know, they knew that it was trash too. They were backed <laughs> into a corner. I know it was like nice to get <laughs> answers to these questions mm-hmm. that I've had for so long. Like, yeah. why did you kill Marissa? Why? You know, yes. with season three, like such a mess. Mm-hmm. Why did you, you know, make these decisions or write this character this way? I feel like these are questions that I've had for a long time. And it was like so nice to actually be able to get answers yeah. to these after all this time. I mean, we needed it. We did. I mean, it's, you know, 20 years since the the OC premiered. And I think we've been waiting since the series finale to, to understand what happened on that show in the later seasons and now we have all the answers well one of my big takeaways too was i feel like i say a lot like oh i want 22 episode seasons again like let's bring that back Mm -hmm. 
after reading this book, I'm like, no, let's not bring that back because it is too hard. It's, it's like too tough of a schedule. And then it just brings down the quality of the show, I think, in later seasons because mm-hmm. people get so burnt out. Yeah. So I'm going to stop saying that. I'm okay. good with my, you know, eight to ten episode seasons because at least I feel like you can bring quality. And I think what happened in a lot of these later seasons is literally like they were burnt out and they were doing too many episodes. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, there was a lot of times in the the sort of early glory WB days, there would be like 13 episodes would be like your first season. Yeah. Like if you were a mid-season premiere and you started in January, you'd get 13 and then like season two would bump up to 22. Like I think 13 is like a nice number. Yeah. Like it's a little bit more than the eight to 10. So you can flesh things out a little bit more. But 22, I agree. Like, you know, it's too much. We've talked about a million times how season one was like five seasons of a, of a Netflix streaming show. Yeah. So. so if you're saying, bring back 22 episodes, read this book, okay? <laughs> and stop saying that yeah. because you don't want it. You think you do and you don't. You don't. Um, okay, well, should we get into the tea? Let's, let's spill it. Let's, I'm ready. All right. So if you've read the book or not, I think, you know, you can listen to this episode. Um, We're going to hit the highlights. We're going to be talking about the highlights, but I think that, you know, you might want to read the book more after this if you haven't already. Um, We obviously cannot cover like every single thing in the book, but we're going to give you what we thought thought was most interesting. Yeah. Um, So let's start off with a little like casting what ifs, because they like talk about that quite a bit in this. And there were a lot of people who are big now who audition for characters for this show I feel like some of them like we knew already like it's like we all know Olivia Wilde you know yeah drink every time her name comes up in conversation in the book so that I needed Olivia Wilde to be interviewed in this book okay that's that's a good one that's fair that was one of the ones where I was just like can we please like and I know she's Olivia Wilde and is like so big and she's busy busy and whatnot but like, I just feel like in these things that they're doing, I would love to hear from her. And I would love to hear if she was upset that she did not get the role of Marissa. Yeah, things would have been very different if she had been Marissa. Very different. Yeah. But I don't, I stand by. I'm a Misha Barton I don't think supporter. it would have been a better show for the record. It would have been a different yeah. show. I think that Marissa would have been a different character. But um, one of what I thought was funny about the casting what ifs. I mean, are you sad that Chris Pine did not play Ryan Atwood. This was discussed that he was like heavily considered for the role. Yes. Claire is a big Chris Pine. I'm a big Pine. Chris Pine. I love yeah. that man and his, you know, weird choices, his long hair, his like, I, I you know, I, I forgive him most things because I don't know. I find him so charming. Um, I, I think it would have been again a different show, but I also think like Chris Pine has the career that he's meant to have. Yeah, he's on the right path. And honestly, like if he had done this, he wouldn't have been in Princess Diaries too. Well, which is one of my favorite. He needed that. Yeah, he, he needed is, to be in that movie. That movie is so silly and so charming, and he's so delightful in that. Um, I don't know. Well, we need to reveal why he was not cast. And he's talked about this in interviews. Yeah, like independent of this book, like they've talked to him about it. He had. Too bad acne. And that's why he yeah. was not gassed. And the, the pr- producer Jesse is dying over yeah, there. But that's the truth. Like Chris and he knew it too. Like Chris Pine basically knew it. They were like the 
casting directors, the network, I think, were like, yeah. it's it's not good. And they were not the confident. Acne was too bad. <laughs> and they weren't confident that it would get better either. That I think that's the thing. Like, they were like, oh, like, you know, because I think if someone had a little bit, they'd be like, oh, we'll get them on some medication. We'll yeah. send them to a doctor. And I think they were just like, it's too it's much. It's too bad. It's too bad. We can't cast you. Your acne is too bad. We needed proactive. Was oh, my God. That? Was this pre-proactive? I mean, Misha had a Neutrogena uh, deal. I so know. she should have gotten him in there. What, what could have been if he didn't have that acne? Now yeah. I'm going to Google Chris Fine with acne. I, mean, I know. I, I'm curious of like, it must have been so bad. I will say, though, I think when you are <clears throat> casting, like what is supposed to be like a heartthrob mm-hmm. of the show, it's like, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. But like, I, I remember on One Tree Hill, James Lafferty he, going through an acne phase. I, yep. In season one, and it does like it's distracting and it takes away it's from it a little bit. Yeah, because it's, like he's supposed to be the hottest thing. Yeah, and I'm just staring at these bumps on his face. Right, and even like they put makeup on it, but like you know that it's just covering it up. Like you know that what that is. It, it, it looks it's bad. distracting. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry, James Lafferty, <laughs> that I had to bring that up, but I it's important. It is. He's doing okay. Also, Garrett Headland was the other main contender for Ryan. Yeah, I mean, I do think he would have been good. Yeah. Well, and then I think they wanted Garrett Hedlund, it sounded like. But then he got, he got like another off- Tron or something. Had some, some other big movie. Yeah, some other offer that he took. And pr- again, probably for the best for him, I would yeah. think. Because, you know, who knows if Ben McKenzie would have ever entered our orbit without this show. I know. I feel like he would have been like a theater actor or something if yeah. he never would have gotten this show. Yeah, he's done some theater. He's done some yeah some stage stuff here in New York. Yeah, he wouldn't have been the superstar that he is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, well, other ones that I found shocking were how many young actresses auditioned for Caitlin Cooper. That one was a little mind-blowing, I gotta say. And this was for, though, the seasons, season like, season three. three. Yeah. Season three, Caitlin Cooper. New Caitlin, if you will. I mean, Emma Stone, Britt Robertson, Hayden Panettiere, yes. Lily Collins, like, all those young Hollywood it girls. I know, and that's fun that, like, they all became very big on their own, too. Yeah. Like, but I, yeah, I don't know if any of them would have been right for Caitlyn. Like, I think... I don't know if Emma Stone, they said she was just too green at that moment in time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was young. She was young. I think that's a hard role to cast for because it's hard to cast teenagers who are actually teenagers. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a big fan of a teenager on a show should be 23 in real life. That's how I that's how I think it should go. So I think with the role of Caitlin, it's like. You know, she was supposed to be what, like 15? Yeah, 15. So like you're still casting a teenager. You need somebody also who kind of like looks older too, especially if they're if it's like it was a sexual role. It was, yeah. So, so that's tough to cast they need, for. Yeah, you gotta look like you're fifteen and in high school, but also like not too young so that it's like creepy when you're talking about your boobs on camera. Right. And I'm sure a lot of them had acne as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Acne probably prevented a lot of people from roles on the show. (laughs) Um, I did find it interesting, though, too, of like, I'm bringing it back to Marissa. I did think it was interesting. Everyone was saying, like, there was just something about, like, Misha Barton, like, of how beautiful she was. And I feel like that's how I felt when I was watching it, of, like, I cannot take my eyes off of this person. Like, she is just so gorgeous and I just feel like all of them saying that about her like she was just so stunning and they just felt like she was this it girl like potential 
I was like, that's exactly how I felt about it when I was like 14. Yeah, she sort of has this um, like otherworldly quality to her. She doesn't look like anybody else. Like she's beautiful in a way that's unconventional. And um, also like her speaking cadence is a little unique, I think. And so you add all that together and you're like, oh, this is obviously she's like a sophomore or junior, but she's the most popular girl in school because she's just so special. I just thought it was interesting that it was like everybody who was interviewed for this book like said the same thing about her Mm -hmm. of like just like she was just so stunning you couldn't look away from her and even the uh, network people who like weren't super on board with her they they understood it eventually and they were like oh we get it now like when they put her on camera they were like oh we we understand yeah that light just hits (laughs) her in a different way let me tell you Um, okay well we haven't brought up the casting thing I was most shocked about Okay, tell me. Are you ready? I'm preparing my... Yes. I mean, I feel like you must have been shocked when you read this too. That Sebastian Stan audition for Johnny? That one... I was as sad as they were in the... the, um, I was floored. Yeah. It was... And you could tell they were like kicking themselves. They're like, why didn't we go with Sebastian Stan? Like maybe we all would have liked Johnny if Sebastian Stan was playing that character. Because they just... And they even say they're like the actor... I don't even know the actor's name who played Johnny. Well, spoiler. He was not... He (laughs) He did not take part in interviews for this book, which was not shocking. (laughs) And they even say they're like, oh, like it's not his fault. He was a good actor. He was a good person. But like he just... They cast him wrong. Like he was not right for that part. And I, yeah, you look back and you're like, this guy, like this like scrawny little man is A, supposed to be like a cute surfer with this hot girlfriend, Kayla Yule, who yeah. like, who goes on to be on Vampire Diaries. Like that, he pulls that girl. It and, was just, yeah. I mean. But Sebastian Stan. Believable. Believable. You believe that like he's the hot guy, that he'd like be like a champion surfer. He'd get the hot girl. He'd be friends with Volchek. Like, I know. It was just like so shocking that he auditioned for this and they passed on him. I know. Like, I feel like that must be one of their biggest regrets. Oh, like after, after all their regrets on this show, that's got to be one of the they biggest. They sounded like they were really kicking themselves for not. And they kind of were like, I don't even know why we didn't go with him. We just I know. Went, and I'm like, I don't know either. Nobody knows. Because no, he still could have gone on to be Carter Bazin. Like, oh, yeah. That would have been like, great. And yeah. then I feel like people would have been like. Range. Yeah. <laughs> Such range. Um, um, yeah. So. Oh, that was like one of the most shocking things for me to come out of the book. Yeah, I was not expecting to hear that name. And yeah. honestly, like like you said, like maybe we would have felt differently about Johnny if it had been Sebastian Stan in that role. What a could have should have, you know? Yeah. We'll never know. We'll never know. Yeah. But the guy who played Johnny isn't even verified on Instagram. <laughs> oh my god. I feel like he's probably not acting anymore. I don't know. I mean, I feel sad for that man. I kind of wish he was in this book because I would want to hear I want to hear from him. Yeah. Like I want to hear his thoughts on all 6, this. 6,000 followers. DM him. Oh my god. We, we can should. bring him on. Let's Okay. The, we're going to interview the guy who played Johnny. Put that in the in the His name is Ryan Donohue. Oh Donahue. yeah. Donahue. Yeah. 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 Um, Add it to the notes doc so that we don't forget. Yeah, that's all right. Hilarious. That's good. We should. DM I love it. it. Be like we promise we'll be nice. Don't listen to our previous episode. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, please don't listen to me talk about. But Johnny. it's not his fault. It, like, it's not. It was the character. Like it, it's it's how they wrote that character. Yeah, it was, I think it's a little bit his fault. I'm not gonna lie, but <laughs> it's the character. Don't just spit take don't. from producer Jesse on that one. 
for trying to uh, get him on. I'm just saying, I think Sebastian Stan could have done it better. Yeah, but, you know, I think that about most things with him. Yeah, exactly. We're just big Sebastian. We like Stan Sebastian Stan. Maybe we'll get him on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you never know. He's spotted in New York all the time on the phone with his therapist. Yeah. You know, maybe I'll run up to him one day and be yeah. like, hey, excuse me. Maybe we had the same therapist. We don't know. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's get into them making this show. Yeah. Season one. Mm-hmm. It all starts, you know, they make the pilot first. Yeah. Which seemed like a crazy experience. Yeah. It sounds like a lot went sideways before they could even get to the making of the pilot. Yeah. And so the big thing I think though was like the change in direction. Yeah, huge. So McGee, who you know helped pitch the show, helped get it sold. He's the director of Charlie's Angels, which was like very big at the yeah, time. Yeah, he was a big name at the time. Yeah. So he was supposed to direct the pilot, mm-hmm. and they kind of sold it in that way. And then he could not get out of Charlie's Angels reshoots. Yes, correct. And so they were panicking. The network was furious. Like, all those execs at Fox were, like, not really speaking to Josh and Stephanie yeah. because they were so angry with them, even though it wasn't really their fault. Like, it yeah. was, like, McGee's fault. But I could see them, though. Like, look, if I worked for Fox at the time, I'd be like, you played us. Like you played yeah. us. You mm-hmm. told me that Big G would be directing this pilot and he must have known this whole time he couldn't do it. Like, do you think he knew the whole time? I think he probably was like suspecting that he wouldn't be able to direct it, but was hoping that it was like it ho- hoping that it worked out. Yeah. Um, which is not a very nice thing to do. And I get that, like, you know, it's part of um, like he's from Orange County. Right. Which so, was a big selling point. Right, because yeah. neither Josh nor Stephanie were. Um, yeah. So he was giving a lot of like firsthand like input or just like he was helping to sort of add um, credibility when they sold the show. So having him there would have been important. But like, you know, sometimes you got to like put the, the project first and be like upfront about things. Yeah. And be like, I'm on this major, you know, multi-million dollar movie and I, I can't get out of it. So then Doug Lyman steps in. Yes. Who, um, he made Swingers. Mm-hmm. Very big movie. Yeah. And I feel like he seems like a crazy person. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this man. The stories about him. crazy. Like, they talk about how he was, they were shooting on a boat. And um, he had to go because he was also working on Mr. and Mrs. Smith at the time. Yeah. And he had to go to a meeting for Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And like one of the assistants was like, Doug, like your meeting's going to start soon. And he's like, oh, no. He's like turns to the AD and is like, you got this right. Jumps off the boat and swims back to shore to make it to his meeting. That is a story. Yeah. That was a wild story. Yeah. And I was just like, how are you doing both? Mr. and Mrs. Smith was like a huge movie at this time. Like. I mean, that's wild that he was directing yeah. this pilot and working on yeah. Mr. Mrs. Smith. He does seem like a bit of a, a wacky kind of man. Like he, he was sleeping on set. Sleeping on set in Seth's bedroom. Yeah. He like was like, I don't want to go all the way home at night. So he would just like sleep on this. <laughs> in Seth's bedroom. Also, he also felt such a kinship with Seth. That's why he agreed to direct the pilot. Yeah. Because he was like, Seth Cohen like was me in high school. Like I was this nerdy guy. The amount of men in Hollywood who are like, I was a Seth Cohen. Mm. Like it's a little wild. I mean, he's become an archetype of his own. I know. And so I think it's easy. And he was sort of the first of his kind. So I think like when you have that, you really latch on to it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, listen, they all 
say like he was kind of wacky. Yeah. But and unpredictable. But like he did a great job. I mean, the pilot is an amazing pilot. Like, it's an amazing episode of television. Yeah. Like, I think it's one of the all-time, like, great pilots ever made. It's so good. It so clearly sets up what the show is going to be. Yeah. And you have, like, they talk about that sequence when Ryan's, like, on the payphone trying to call people to, like, crash at different apartments. And, like, Doug was, like, picking up cameras himself and directing things because he couldn't explain how he wanted things to look. So he would just do it himself. Wild man. Yeah. Like, literally. He just seems like such a wild guy. I know. And I do think, like, the show would have been very different if McGee had done that pilot. Oh, yeah. So it would have been it all like worked out. Shinier and flashier and um, just a little a little too artificial. Spoiler alert. It all worked out. Yeah. Um, but well, one of the things they talk about, too, with season one a lot is mm-hmm. like, you know, the the age old debate. They burn through so many storylines mm. in season one. Yeah. But is that part of the magic of it? Like, I just feel like this is always discussed of like that they burn too hot too fast. Mm-hmm. But is that why we like it so much? I mean, I think yes and and yes. Like they they were going through all these storylines because the network was sort of advocating for it. They're yeah. saying like, you know, you move through seven episodes in the summer and Marissa's already ODing. Like that's a lot happens, you know. And they, they're like, they want to keep people hooked. They want to keep people invested. So they're like, you know, something crazy has got to happen every yeah. week. Something big has to happen. Like we got to keep pushing and, and things happen quickly because like, you know, if people wait too long for a couple to kiss, they'll get bored. And it, you know, it made it really exciting to watch. Yeah. And to, I like that. And to binge too. Like if you're watching now and you're binging it, like, yeah, like you keep, you can't you stop. Keep, no, you keep moving. It's a drug. Yeah. <laughs> Season one of the OC is a drug. Um, literally. I think I think in the long run it could have been better served to to slow down a little bit on some yeah. on some of those things, um, but you know, it wouldn't be it wouldn't have been as special and as um, a phenomenon if they hadn't burned through so much so quickly. Well, the one thing they didn't slow down on though was Oliver, and oh. I appreciated them talking all about Oliver. Another person I wanted to be interviewed in this book. Okay, mm-hmm. I wanted the actor who plays Oliver. I needed to hear from Taylor him. Handley, but I don't think he does like any interviews like this with the OC. Like he wasn't on the podcast, the Welcome to yeah. the OC Bitches podcast either. But like, I need to hear about his time playing Oliver. Yeah, he's another. He's like a a teen TV like regular, like yeah, he, veteran, he popped, veteran. He popped around to a lot of different teen TV shows and like TV movies and stuff during that era. Like I remember like recognizing him yeah. when he showed up as Oliver. Same. Um, I would love to know, yeah, what he thought about the character and his arc, um, because Oliver was controversial. Well, and they did the, you know, Josh and Stephanie, I feel like did admit in this book that it just took too long for the truth about Oliver to land on like the characters. Right. So it was like, the thing is, it's like, we know Oliver is a bad guy the whole time because we're seeing these scenes that show that, but the other characters aren't seeing that. And it was like too many episodes of that, which I would agree about. Like, I don't hate the Oliver storyline, but it did take too long for like Ryan to catch on. Yeah. And and finally Luke does of all people, people Luke like is like I hate that guy but um I it was interesting to hear them talk about that but they were also like well the ratings went up because of Oliver so love him or hate him we kind of love to hate him I think I also appreciate like how um how much they knew when they were making the show that 
like their precursor was Beverly Hills 90210, which was yeah. also like the teen show on Fox that really was around forever. And they talk about like, oh, Oliver was like Emily Valentine. Yeah. And so, and like, you know, Emily Valentine threatens to set the parade float on fire if you're not familiar. And so that's very much Oliver. Oh, they, they took it a step further with, you know, him locking himself in his room with, with Marissa and a gun. Yeah. But um, <laughs> some light gunplay involved. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I appreciate that like, we can draw the parallels that they were aware of the parallels while making the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So one of the other bombshells that was revealed in this that I never knew and I don't think was really talked about. Rachel Bilson knew Adam Brody because he casually dated one of her friends. Like I was shocked by that information. I, I don't know. Maybe like that, the young Hollywood scene and Brody's yeah. in that house that they call the Seth house with all those other young dudes. Right. Right. Who are all like auditioning for the same parts, I guess. Yeah, um, I was shocked by that. Yeah. I didn't know that. You know, yeah. things we don't know when so you there was, can only read it in a magazine back then. OK, there was history there. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. I thought that was cute. I loved all the things of them talking about, like their relationship. Oh, yeah. I love that. She always she still called him Brody. Like, OK, oh. I love that. The last name thing. It's I so mean, cute. And he calls her Bilson. I mean, listen, you've talked about on our To All the Boys episode yeah. how much you think it's hot when you refer to, you know, a partner as by the last name or is particularly when like. A boy refers to a girl that he yeah. likes by her last name. So, it's hot. yeah, and they have good last names for it. They to do. Work, so. Yeah, they roll right off the tongue. Two syllables are so easy. I love that. Okay, so one of the other big things that I feel like we have to bring up to season one is in the finale, mm. and this was this I thought was like revealing. I, I heard a little bit about this before, but you know, I did think it was shocking. Just that the end of season one wasn't supposed to be the pregnancy storyline, right? Um, so it was supposed to be an Eddie story where Eddie was abusive to Teresa and then Ryan like takes it into his own hands and ends up with like legal troubles mm-hmm. and then Sandy would have to try and get him out of it. Like, I do think that is like just so interesting in the sense of like, it really did feel like they did not want to go all in on that pregnancy storyline and yeah. they did not know what to do with mm-hmm. it. Um, because I kind of just like take it away in season two. Um, so I thought that was just super interesting. And the actor who played Eddie did not want to do the role, which like, I get it all yeah. of a sudden you're playing this abusive guy that like, that is not what you signed up for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand not wanting to like, you know, take on that part of the role. But like, I did think it was like a little bit of a shame that you can't really go with like your initial vision. And like, it really became hard for them to like undo that whole pregnancy thing too. Like it made it, they sort of, you know, wrote themselves into a corner. And they talked about this too, where like, well, we sent Seth to Tahiti. Like, how do we like get him back? And they were I like, know. and just sort of not understanding when they were making the show, like, oh, you have to have foresight yeah, for how you're going to get the characters back together when you're creating this. Because like, I think Josh Schwartz was just like, oh no, we'll figure it out. And then he got there and he was like, oh no, this is harder than I thought. Yeah. Cause you like write yourself <clears throat> into like a hole basically. Yeah. But I did appreciate them being like, yeah, no, the baby storyline was weird. Seventy Savage was just like, yeah, no, it was weird. Yeah. Why did we yeah. do that? And I was like, thank you. I needed you to acknowledge that that was odd. Yes. That you guys like did not fully acknowledge it and just wanted yeah. to like, you know, right. be done with it. And <laughs> it, it, it was not a, not their best moment. No. Um, yeah. 
Should we move on to season two? Let's talk season two. So season one, they talked a lot about how the cast, like, you know, everyone was really getting along. Everyone was hanging out so much outside of the show. Even like Josh Schwartz was hanging out with the cast like all the time, even though he is their boss. Um, And then season two, that really starts to end. Yeah. It sounds like. Yeah. It becomes less of like a fun like opportunity when, you know, they're it's a it's a job now yeah they have to show up every day they're working long hours they don't get a ton of time off there's not time for them to take outside projects they you know well they also all are huge stars at this point too like they all blew up Mm -hmm. and i think in season one you know they made a lot of that show in the beginning just kind of like you know in their own little world um, and then you all become big stars overnight. Mm-hmm. You're getting all these opportunities. You have different a- agents, probably managers, yeah. publicists that you didn't have before. Like there's so many more people that now involved. Yeah. Um, and I just think then that like hanging out outside of work, like starts to end, which was sad. Like yeah. that made me like sad. I was like, it seemed like there was stuff going on that people weren't saying either. It seemed like there was like, there had to be like some form of drama, jealousy, a little yeah. bit more. Like no one was getting into specifics about this. Um, they were literally just like, no, we just like all kind of like went our separate ways. Yeah, or, yeah. I think so. And I, I get why they don't want to, you know, get into their personal stuff because it's about the show more so than their personal lives. But it it did leave a little bit like. It, it left it like open like I I there I could have used a little bit more context for some of these things yeah um, I just wanted them to get into a little bit more like okay were you jealous Rachel Bilson that Misha Barton <laughs> is on all the magazine covers like I just wanted like a little bit of like honesty yeah with that. like I mean what they will say is that throughout the book every time they talk about the cast you know not being in a great mood or being unhappy or which is a lot of the book a lot of the book they're like oh yeah season one was great and then after that it kind of went downhill which is also how we talk about the oc (laughs) yeah they like they know it we know it it seemed like the experience of making it was very much the same as the experience of watching it um but they say throughout the book that like anytime you know josh or stephanie will be like oh the cast was unhappy they'll be like but except for you know melinda clark and rachel bilson they were always you know happy they were always giving their best the you know, pleasant to work with. And you do get that when they talk about it too. Like, like Rachel Bilson's very much like, I was just happy to be there. I had a great time. Like she's very positive about it in all of her interviews. I thought that was so interesting too. Cause I was like, Oh, now it makes more sense of why you two did the welcome to the OC bitches podcast. Yes. Cause I was kind of like, what a weird pairing, but it totally makes sense as like they seem to have just like a more pleasant experience mm-hmm. and really I feel like those who understood like this doesn't come around all the time. Right. And they talk about how because they grew up in the industry and around yeah. the industry like they both grew up with parents who worked in the industry. I think that they knew that like this is special and you don't take it for granted. Yeah. Well and um, so a lot of what the problems with that all the actors on the show were having is they also started to not love the storylines and the writing as much, which then made it weird with Josh Schwartz, who, you know, is like, I'm doing the best I can here, guys. Yeah. I was like, he's like, I got to run this writer's room. He's like 27 years old, the youngest showrunner in history at the time. Yeah. And he's, 
spent the first season like hanging out being their friend and now he has to be their boss and tell them like no you you have to say these words that I've written like that's your job and that's tricky that's hard to do anytime I know but especially like in, can you imagine like in your 20s suddenly being tasked to be the manager of an entire show let alone with people who are like in your peer group I know and I just feel like that did create like a lot of like this drama yeah is that he was like friends with them at first mm-hmm. and then when you have to come in though and more be the boss yeah, and be, also be like no you can't do this big movie that you that you're being offered yeah. no we can't let you go do this like he was probably like having to have those conversations too mm-hmm. um which i think was probably like very awkward yeah um well we do hear from him that he uh, avoided those conversations as much as possible. He says a lot of times in the book that he's like, I was a coward and I should have just like sat down with people and had a conversation with them about this, about that. And he's like, I think I would have, you know, we would have solved a lot of stuff if we had just talked, but I was a coward and I didn't want to have these confrontations. So I would avoid them and I would hide from them and make someone else do it. I appreciated his honesty yeah. of that, like throughout the book. And it, it it's clear, you know, he has done a lot of shows since then. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that he learned that lesson really early on and it approaches things totally differently. Mm-hmm. But I did appreciate um, like him and Stephanie talking a lot about like, you know, looking back, if we just would have like had a conversation with these actors about this, a lot of this like would have been avoided. Mm-hmm. Um, I think though that just takes a lot of like soul searching and like years like yeah. going by and like learning a lot about like yourself too. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it was like nice to hear them talk about this um, with clearly like a lot of reflection that they've done on it. Yeah. Well, also like with season two though, what I thought was interesting and I did not put this together at the time, like Desperate Housewives came out. I was going to say all these, um, the anxiety of influence of all these outside influences like really creep in in season two with the way that they're writing the show. Yeah. Um, And Desperate Housewives was a big one. Oh, I love Desperate Housewives. Oh my God. It was so good. I mean, great. (laughs) I get why they were like threatened by Desperate Housewives. and they talk about how um, Desperate Housewives also had this um, storyline where like the, the murder, the, the murder, but they but the gardener, that was the oh, main yeah, one because yeah. Marissa starts dating in season two, DJ, who's like works, right. he's a gardener. And they had the opposite where in on Desperate Housewives in season one, um, Gabriella Solis is having an affair with her gardener. And but the you know, it's slightly different. And they had the murder to like up the stakes. So they were very cognizant of like, we don't want it to seem like we're copying Desperate Housewives because right. they weren't they're like writing you know parallel but still like the comparisons end up happening whether they want to or not I do remember a lot of comparisons with the gardeners at the time and it's like why can't every show just have a gardener like right <laughs> hot gardener should be yeah. on every show we don't need there's no limit to how many hot gardeners we need on our television screens but it was a big thing back then of like people were like the OC copy desperate housewives mm. like obviously these decisions are made like months ahead of exactly. time exactly they also talked about like the time slot shifting around and being concerned about like it started in the summer on Tuesday. Yeah. Then they moved it to Wednesday for like most of the season. And then I think season two, they moved it to Thursday nights and they were like, we can't compete against friends. Right. And in my brain, I was like, that's kind of shocking to me because I wouldn't assume that they would pull the same audience. I know. But I guess that I guess they did. And they were very con- that was a big like stressor for them that like, oh, like people are going to watch friends and not watch the OC. And this was like before TiVo was everywhere. Like I think TiVo existed, but it was like a rich people thing. 
I was like, everyone's watching the OC. This is the biggest show out there. Like, right. I, yeah. I, I ne- did not realize that that was a exactly. concern for them, like at all. I know. Agreed. We also have um, Laguna Beach comes into existence. Okay, Josh Schwartz being scared about Laguna Beach was shocking to me. Like, I never would have guessed that he thought Laguna Beach was a threat. No. But he was so threatened by Laguna Beach. Because, like, if you like one, you're going to like the other. You're going to watch both. Like, and they show on Laguna Beach, there's an episode where all the girls are hanging out watching the OC. It's one of my favorite things. so meta. It's so perfect. Yeah, I'm like, they're just like me. They also watch the OC. Yes, but he really thought that, yeah. like, we would all stop watching the OC right. because we're watching, like, real kids live these lives in the OC. And it's like, they're two different things. They're completely different things. Like, and we want both because we like, we want all of it. I love to when he was like, oh, yeah, no, we've, like, talked to those kids. Like, it sounds yeah, they like read maybe for they, us. Yeah, they read for us. I was like, tell me more about I that. I mean, you they know Stephen Coletti's headshot came across that desk at one point well, in time. Then One Tree Hill nabbed him I up know, instead. Right. <laughs> Um, well, we got to talk a little bit too about how they talked a lot about all the guest stars that they brought into season two and that nobody cared about these guest stars (laughs) and they were like not anticipating that. And they were like, we gotta, we gotta get rid of them. We gotta get rid of these people. No one likes these people. Uh, like, I think part of that problem though is like, Write them in a way that I care about them. Yeah, I don't know. You got the. They talk all the time about we want to see the core four. Yeah, and they immediately season two split them up and give them all new partners. And there's no connective tissue to bring them all together. Yeah, we like need we needed a concert or something yeah. where everybody goes. We needed like more group scenes. We needed something. And I know they tried to avoid stuff at the school because like their motto was like people don't want to watch kids in desks dealing with homework. And like I appreciate that. Like that's true. Yeah. School plot lines are usually pretty boring even if they're more realistic, but like you got to find something to connect them and they're not, they don't all have the same interests. So it's not like they're going to be like hanging out outside of school together all in the same club. Yeah. So make, maybe school brings them together. I don't know. Maybe they all commit a crime and get sent to detention or community service or something breakfast clubby like that. Well, I was just shocked that, yeah, they, they really admitted like, yeah, we fucked up with all these guest stars. <laughs> like, what were we thinking bringing in, like, all these new characters? I will say, though, the girl who played Lindsay, mm-hmm. I felt really bad for her. Like, she's interviewed in the book, and she was saying, yeah, no, they wrote me this whole, like, storyline that I'm Caleb's granddaughter, and she really thought she was going to be, like, sticking around. She was, was like, why would they write that storyline and give this whole, yes. like, I'm part of the main drama storyline of the season. And then it's so, like, all right, goodbye, moving to Chicago. And the way that she spoke about it, I felt really bad for her because I could not imagine what that felt like. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge, like, they build to that reveal over several episodes. They have her mom as a character. Yeah. They reveal it in the Chrismica episode. Like, the whole Chrismica episode is about that revelation. Yeah. And then, yeah, like, a few episodes later, they're just like, all right, like, didn't work out. Send her off. I just felt bad for these guest stars. And the season two guest stars, I think most of them are interviewed. Like, we have Michael Cassidy who plays Zach. Yes. Everybody seemed to really love him. I'm shocked that they didn't, like, try and keep him around. But again, they were just like... We just had to get rid of these mm-hmm. characters. Yeah. Um, but I felt bad for these guest stars who were like, yeah, no, we were like so excited to be on this hit show. It's going to be great. And then they get to set. Nobody else wants to be there. Everybody hates this. <laughs> like, yeah, I like that the guest stars were honest. About yeah. All that. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So that that was some good stuff in this season two mm-hmm. part of the book mm-hmm. for sure. Well, we got to talk about Trey. Okay, let's talk about Trey. Again, another person I wanted interviewed in this book. Logan Marshall Green. Logan Marshall Green should have been interviewed because his character is a really big part in season two. And it was the one guest star. Everyone says this in the book. Yeah. It's the one guest star that like actually worked in that right. season of all the freaking guest stars that they brought exactly. in. Exactly. Because he existed from the pilot. Like that character, it was a different actor. Yeah. But that character existed in the pilot. He is the impetus for all of this. He is the one that's, you know, like does the robbery and yeah. that and Ryan's stealing the car. Like, well, he just like fit into the DNA of the show. Yeah. Is what they say. Yeah. And, like, like he was also a really good actor. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was interesting, like how, you know, they talked about all of that. Um, and then they said too, like that finale, that was like the one thing that they got right in season two. Right. And they say like, oh, it was over the top, but like it pulled people in. It yeah. got, it got viewers. It, you know, got people to pay attention to the show again. Yeah. And it remains a, an iconic moment in television history. Um, I, I, probably the most iconic thing from the show almost I mean, like iconic- other than yoga Lottie's. oh my god yoga Lottie's and Chris Mika, but there know. is a whole section on yoga Lottie's, which I appreciated I didn't know that that wasn't like a fully real thing and I would like look for classes on yoga Lottie's <laughs> oh back god, in the day I love that um, and sadly I couldn't find any I'm like shocked that it didn't exist like I mean, that I somebody didn't just start it after that show it's probably like there are classes like it but I don't think it's like a branded thing you know what I mean yeah well we have to talk about Marissa Cooper's bisexuality in season two this is this is a big part of the book as well it's a huge part of the book yeah um so they also talk a lot about how Olivia Wilde was one of the guest stars who actually like worked out right of like that you know they kind of like knew more of how to write that character Mm -hmm. and how to like bring her more like seamlessly into the show Mm -hmm. Um, and that she had a lot of like similarities to Ryan too, yeah. which I thought was interesting them talking about that. Um, but so they talked a lot about the kiss that they show between Marissa and Alex mm-hmm. um, and that they were basically forced to cut the kiss way back from what they wanted it to be. So if you haven't watched this episode in a bit, you should be reminded that the kiss is basically a peck. It is very little. And it was not originally meant to be that. It was meant to be like an actual like romantic right. kiss that lasts a couple seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe some tongue. <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically, they got a lot of pressure from the network to dial the kiss back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can thank Justin Timberlake for this yet again, because this was right around the Super Bowl performance mm-hmm. that rocked our nation <laughs> that... Five seconds, not even five seconds. That one second boob reveal. I know. Just ruin this storyline for us. So thank you, Justin Timberlake. He literally ruins everything. He did. Yes, they talk about that, that the the network was so concerned that the FCC was going to come after them for, you know, two girls kissing. Yeah. How that, and they say like, I don't understand how a bisexual storyline relates to an exposed nipple. Like how those two things are related doesn't really... There is no connection there, but they were so terrified that they were going to get punished for this bisexual storyline that they just sort of wrap it up and they pretend that it never happened. Well, yeah. And then they said that they got basically pressure from the network to just wrap up that storyline yeah. like in general. And then they're like, OK, well, I guess then we need to write Olivia Wilde off the show because like what's her like 
point. Like this What's was the-, the whole point of her. Yeah. Like it sounded like they were going to make it more of a relationship, which I think would have yeah. been really interesting yes. and would have kept the Marissa character around maybe for a little bit longer. It would have added so much depth to her. And like they said, like they could then she becomes she has to interact with the other characters. Like you see her and Summer interacting because like she's you know Marissa's best friend and then that forces her to be interacting with Seth who is her ex and like you know it would have made it they could have integrated her into this group into this world yeah and enhanced that Marissa character and instead Justin Timberlake just shout all over that I thought it was it was interesting too and Misha Barton was like that part of the character was never fully explored she was like I just like we all like it, it was just like it never happened it's yeah just like but my character was bisexual like why we're never gonna bring that up again like that's just like done we're done with that I mean and it I, was interesting it's a it's unfortunately a somewhat um common or at least it was a common tv teen tv trope where you have a character usually a girl yeah starts dating another girl and then they're just like oh no more and then she stops dating the girl the girl in question leaves the show and they just never mention the the bisexuality or the queerness again. It's like it never happened. It's upsetting. Yeah. Luckily now those storylines are dealt with in a much better way. Yes. Yes. Um, but it was interesting hearing all the behind the scenes of that. Mm-hmm. I think one other thing we have to talk about that started in season two and continued was um, the sort of rise of uh, blogs and recappers and yeah. they mentioned particularly one website television without pity or twop um for short was a were you on twop i was not i was not either i'd never heard about it I, and i was on the forums in those days so i'm shocked <laughs> oh, we know. that i did not hear about this i have i would have i've heard of it though um yeah. now because yeah. one of the one of the like i think the creators of the show i listen to her on other other tv podcasts but they talk about how they were recapping the show every week. There were message boards where people were chatting about the show. And the they talked to some of the recappers and the writers for uh, TWAP. And they're like, you know, some of those message boards were meaner than what we would say. And we were pretty mean. Like, they just yeah. sort of say, like, you know, it was the Wild West back then. We didn't understand, like, that maybe you can make a point in a more nuanced way and we were a little harsh and then like you'd have the message boards compounding on that and you know Josh Schwartz talks about how he was reading those boards and reading those recaps all the time and was Which so is crazy yeah. because like if I'm writing stuff on those forums like I think like I'm not thinking like people who actually like work on these shows and write these shows are reading this right so, you're venting yeah it's like if you want to talk shit about Marissa, you should be able to talk shit about Marissa. Right. Yeah. Um, and he took this all way too seriously. Right. Which, which is dark. It, it's dark and it leads to, I think, a lot of bad decisions. And with Marissa eventually in season three where they say, you know, we didn't fully understand that even though people were saying, I hate Marissa, she's a cr- you know, shitty character or whatever. Right. They didn't want her gone. Right. And then they were all like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We didn't mean killer. Like, <laughs> you took that all. Like, yeah, you, you took you it guys too far. Took that way too seriously. It was funny, like, because they interview some of those, um, like, recappers mm-hmm. for the book, and they are all, like, shocked at how much, like, Josh Schwartz was paying attention yes. <laughs> to, like, what they wrote. They were like, uh, like, Please, yeah, like don't like take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, exactly. Like it was just interesting of them being like, "Oh my god, I can't believe he read that." Right, and they're also like, "Oh, I would never write that now." I know, like I was way too harsh back then, which is like a a different time and also like different age. Like you know, that was twenty years ago. The internet was so new. Like yeah, again, you're not really thinking that like this could last forever and that people are like reading this right and making decisions about 
you know, yeah. the future of the show based on this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to season three. I mean, one of the things that I found most interesting of this part of the book is like how much they talk about Ben McKenzie and Adam Brody just being completely checked out of the show. Yeah. They were over it. I mean, this is a big part of the book. I mean, Adam Brody just stopped reading scripts and was like, don't even send them to me anymore. And they were like, "Uh, we like legally have to like send you these scripts. And he just had them piling up at his trailer. Yeah. I was shocked by this. I know. He would read his sides, just his sides, like on set preparing for the day and then like go and say the lines but like he wouldn't read the full script so he didn't know what was going on in the full storyline of the show he would only like read his stuff because he was like so unhappy with like the storylines and how the show was like being written yeah he thought it was like too zany or uh, too over the top and melodramatic I don't know I was like I thought that was kind of crazy that he did all that. And he kept saying, too, like, mm-hmm. he, the entire book, he's like, but no, I I wasn't mean to anybody. I wasn't rude. I was just, like, not into yeah. the show anymore. But I wasn't rude to anybody. I, I was and always like, on time. He says that a lot. I, I was know. always on time. I was always nice. Yeah. And it's like. Dude, I think you were being a little rude. Like, yeah. Just, like, admit it. Like, like, I mean, he does kind of say, like, I know I would never do that mm-hmm. now. Like, it wasn't the best thing. But it that was, yeah. he was just so done with it. I mean, it was disrespectful to... 100%. To these writers who, like, even though they're not doing the best job, like, they're trying. They're trying the best with the circumstances. And they're in a tough position. Right. Like, they have a lot of pressure from the network. A lot of... They had... A, there were a lot of, like things coming at them in season three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I was like floored by him. Right. I was like, stop speaking. (laughs) I don't want to hear anything more from you. You're ruining this for me. Like like getting less hot. Yeah. Yeah. He was getting less hot for sure. For sure. Because he kind of came off a little bit like a dick. He did come off his dick. And I. Sorry. No, but as a result of this, his sort of way of, of like protesting or I guess not protesting, but he sort of gave up. And they talk about how he just changed the way that he would perform the character. He would start doing a different, Josh Schwartz calls it a different acting style, which I took to mean that he stopped really trying to act and would just like say the lines. They said that he became like lethargic and that that's why they wrote that pot storyline for him in season three. Seth becomes addicted addicted to marijuana um, and that they gave him this storyline basically because like there wasn't that level of energy that he was bringing right. and they were like how do we explain this so they wrote that storyline that was a bombshell for was, me in this book I mean I guess credit to them for like trying to f- problem solve yeah but that whole storyline is so stupid and like so it's ridiculous so dumb. it's so dumb it's so dumb this like is not the DNA of the show no. of like what the show was but like the I guess it's a teen drama but they were never like drugs are bad no like, drinking's bad like they didn't do that and then they no. started to do that in season three and it was so bizarre yeah it was, and they talk about that yeah too. they're like it just it didn't fit with the vibe of the show and also like I know they don't they don't talk a lot about it but like these are kids in Southern California like right 
Like Seth would have d- smoked weed before. I was at Sandy's smoking pot. Sandy's smoking pot. Weekend, he, come on. A Berkeley, you know, grad. Like, come on. Yeah, that's a 420 friendly house. Um, but yeah, and and Ben was kind of saying like, no, I mean, I wasn't super happy. I was, you know, mad that I couldn't be doing like these other roles and having to turn down like yeah. movies. And he was like, but Adam was much more vocal than I yeah. was about it. I think that Ben, it's that serious actor thing where they talk about like how Ben was always a very serious actor, yeah. like not unfriendly or not, you know, he was nice and he was could be funny off screen, but like he took the job and the work seriously. And so I think related to that, like, a, he wanted to to have other opportunities to be a character actor. Yeah. And B, even though he was stuck on the show, he was going to take that work seriously while he was there. I thought one of the things with Ben McKenzie that I kept thinking of is I feel like, you know, the only like reference really that they had to a, a super big teen drama was 90210. Mm-hmm. And none of those actors after 90210 really went on to do no. anything. So I think Ben McKenzie this entire time is just thinking like, oh my God, I'm going to be like Luke Perry where yeah. I don't get any opportunities after this. I'm always going to be viewed as this guy. And I think like over time that has definitely changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, hello, Charles Melton is going to get like a freaking Oscar nomination this year. Um, it was just on Riverdale. Um, and we got Michelle Williams winning awards left and right. Exactly. So I think that that has changed. And I think that now Ben probably views this all differently. But like you just wish that you could whisper to him back then, like it's all going to be OK. Like you're going to be able to do other roles. Yeah. You're not just going to be like, you know, a poster on a wall for the rest right. of your life. And also, like, I know you signed a seven year contract, but the show ain't making it that long. Yeah, no. T- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. I felt bad in, um, you know, Autumn Reeser, uh, who plays uh, Taylor Townsend. God, did I forget her name for a second? I was like, my queen, Taylor I Townsend. Know, I know. Um, I thought when she was interviewed for season three, it was super interesting because she talked a lot about how she was like, so excited to be there. This is my big break. Like, and that by season three, the vibe on set was just so negative and so bad. And yeah. she was like, it just wasn't like what I wanted it to right. be. And I felt really bad for yeah. her. Yeah. Cause she, and she brought so much like vitality to the show. Like yeah. when they bring in her and new Caitlin in season three and then keep them around, they bump them up to regular season four. Like they brought such a fun, different energy that they really, really needed. Yeah. Um, and so it's just like, it's a bummer to know that like their experience wasn't like great. as uh, great. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, they, it sounds like it wasn't bad. Like everyone was nice to them. Like, but it was said, just coming in to like do the job. Right. Like, like I'm, she did say Rachel Bilson was always very sweet yes. and nice to her, which I liked. Um, yeah. It's always like good to hear that. But. Yeah. And that, um, I think what's her face? <laughs> what's her face? Willa Holland, who played Caitlin yeah. said that, um, like day one, Peter Gallagher went in and like gave her like a talk and was like, you know, like a, a friendly talk of like take this seriously and be pleasant and all of those things. Peter Gallagher was making me laugh a lot in this book. Like he just seemed like he viewed himself in a very certain way. Yes. He viewed himself quite highly. And I got to say, Kelly Rowan seems to hate him. (laughs) I'm sorry, but that is something that I got from this book. I was like, there is tension there. And maybe it's because, you know, he's so much older than her and they had to play husband and wife, which I'm sure is like, kind of awkward that yeah. she was like what 36 and he was like In at 40. least 10 years old yeah yeah um but it seemed like i don't think they hated each other no, but i'm but like, like can we get into this a little bit more this is what i want to know yeah like, give me some of this drama because i don't know if he was like maybe the 
easier. Like the, yeah. e- the ego seems to be there with a him little, a little yeah. bit. Well, yeah. I think he and he, to be fair, he was the name. He was the only yeah. known actor. Not, I mean, Tate Donovan was kind of known, but not yeah. really, not as much. And so he came in with the most experience, with like the highest. Like he was first build. Yeah, in the cast. I know. Um, Crazy. Yeah. Number one on the call sheet. I know. Yeah. So. So it does seem though like he was always trying to be like friendly with the actors mm-hmm. and you know be like this is this is a big break like you know you need to like appreciate this but yeah I think it went on a little deaf ears sometimes it sounds like they were probably like sing your songs Peter <laughs> get out of here I mean we gotta talk about that they talked about Johnny a lot okay yeah they talk about Johnny all the time and what they say is that their biggest mistake with Johnny was that they had way too many storylines that were just about him. All and of season three. No com- one cares. Yeah. It's this new character who comes in and they try to bring in multiple new characters and then they quickly realize, oh no. I think that like they talk about this a lot in the book though is like they just thought that people would care about Johnny more. So they were like, they just they were literally like we just couldn't stop like we just like we just kept going with all these storylines like trying to make it work yeah and it just then they were like we don't know why we did all these storylines around him and they were like even after he died we brought in his mom and his cousin yeah. like why are we still talking about Johnny I know they were like I loved when they said too. they were like we gave him a whole funeral like we didn't they even did. give Marissa a funeral <laughs> Well, some of the reasons that like season three is so is the most reviled season and they said it. We said it. Everyone knows it. Season three is like a is a mess. Yeah, it's really not good. You didn't even finish it when it was there. I didn't. I stopped watching before Johnny died. Yeah, um, because I was just like, I don't care about Johnny. Like, I think I made it to the Chrismica episode and then I was like, I'm done and didn't come back until years later after the show had ended. Um, But there was um, some network changes behind the scenes. So they talk about Gail Berman, who yeah. was there at the network from the beginning, and she was an advocate for the show. She leaves. They bring in this guy who um, is like, Fox is for men, and like we got to have sports, and we got to have like male-focused right. sitcoms, and we can't do this teen show. It's not part of the DNA of, of the Fox network. Meanwhile, obviously, what made the Fox network was Beverly Hills 90210. I know. That show helped Fox become like... Um, one of the five main networks so this guy was like oh we need more adult storylines less teen storylines so they create I don't even remember the adult storylines from, from that season no one can really remember a lot of the storylines on season I mean, three I, but they talk in the book about <laughs> the Matt like, Ramsey storylines okay. and they were like we don't even remember like any of these storylines and as I'm reading this I was like neither do I can like, I was gonna say when they said the Matt Ramsey storyline and I was like I don't remember that character at and they say this in the book that they just started like writing all this stuff and then never like finish the storylines. Yeah. But they were throwing so much at the wall because they needed to make this like more dramatic to go yeah. in with Desperate Housewives, even though this is a teen show. Right, they're different shows. The other thing was that they were writing, it sounds like, for like marketing purposes. Like they were like, we need a scene that we can put in a trailer for next week that will draw in viewers. So like this episode has to have a big dramatic scene. And so they were writing these episodes towards like one crazy scene where something happens, but like it doesn't fit with the storyline. And so they were writing these big moments instead of like actually like building to a a conclusion. I thought that was really interesting when they were saying that of like, that so much was based of like what they could put in the promo yeah. and tease for the show. Yeah. And it's like, 
what? That just doesn't even like make sense to me. So it's like I understand their frustration and you can tell in the book like the creators, the writers, they're all just so frustrated Mm -hmm. by what's going on and everyone is like incredibly burnt out. But I feel like even this need to have that like splashy stuff in the promo is literally partly why they decided to kill Marissa. Yeah. Then they could have a promo saying like one One. of these characters dies. Yes. Like that is the reasoning behind it. Yeah. Which is so crazy. It's insane. And meanwhile, I'm crying about Marissa's death because of this. Yeah. Let's talk about the decision to kill Marissa. I mean, it seemed like it was a combination of a lot of things. Yeah. So pressure from the network to have like a big splashy finale. Mm-hmm. It seemed like Misha Barton was unhappy. Yes. Um, and well, that they didn't know what to do with the character. Yeah. And I will say Misha is the cagiest throughout this. Like she's yes. uh, there are multiple times when she's like, I really don't want to talk about that. But I will say and then she'll say something really vague. I think that she only agreed to be interviewed for this if she didn't have to like fully go into stuff with the producers because she's been very cagey about that for quite some time. Um, And it, it is frustrating that like we don't know fully like her side to all this. Like she just is kind of like hinting that there were like a lot of issues and we don't know why. And I feel like even a lot of people like talking about her being unhappy no, again, no one was really going into it fully. No. And I'm like, can somebody just say what was going on? Because I'm really confused. Well, I will say it sounds like they don't know. I because know. Because they talk about she was the youngest cast. She was still a teenager. Everyone else was in their early 20s cast yeah. wise. Um, and she so she had her mom on set. And it sounds like this mom was a stage mom. Oh my god! She was, we got to talk about the mother. The mom was Nuala. Nuala was well, how? What? How do you I, say? I, it, I think they say Nula or something. Oh, in the, in well, the, in the I was audiobook. reading it as Nuala. I, I listened to the audiobook, but hey, the audiobook had a variety of pronunciations for the name Kirsten. <laughs> so who knows what's correct? Uh, um, but yeah, she Nuala. We'll call her Mommy Dearest. Seemed to be quite a force on this set. Yes, and. She seemed to have, you know, made some enemies a little bit yeah. on this. And some people were, it was interesting because I think people had different perspectives on it. Like, I, I remember, like, Chris Carmack was like, well, it's, you know, Misha is 17 at the time. Of course, a mom is going to be there to protect her daughter. And, like, yeah. she's a very protective mom, which, like, is probably what is needed for these young actors mm-hmm. in this industry. And then other people, you know, Rachel Bilson was kind of saying that Nuala didn't seem to like her because she was taking storylines mm. away from Marissa. Um, it seemed that she had a presence on yeah. this set, though. The other thing is that they talk about, you know, they, they got so burnt out by season two starting yeah. because they were working so much. But And they say Misha had the worst of it because she had, like, she was a brand ambassador for Chanel before the show started. She had a Neutrogena, um, you know, deal uh, like early on like I think right. like the show started and those commercials came out pretty quickly after oh I remember and she was you know a little fashion girly and so she would like finish shooting the show fly across the country to like New York or Miami or whatever for a work event like a, yeah. a separate outside of the OC type of event and then have to come back and be at work on Monday and so this like 16 year old is crossing the country in her free time she had like 
I think in the interview, the book, she says, oh, I had maybe six days off in like three years yeah. or something like that. Well, Noelle seemed to be making her do all this stuff. Yeah. She, oh, was yeah also she was under her manager. Right. So, so this was not her choice. So she's tired. She's younger than everybody else on set. Yeah. She feels uncomfortable with some of the storylines. Like they say that she, they always felt she was uncomfortable with like the lighter stuff that she always wanted to play like the sad, messy Marissa stuff. And yeah. she felt better with that. Which makes sense because that is how the character started. Mm-hmm. So then when they're trying to like write her a little more like, like Misha says a lot that she had problem when she was like trying to be like this like ditzy girl. And she's like, yeah. I just didn't know how to play that. And yeah. I understand her frustrations with that because they were kind of writing the character in all different ways. And the writers did say like, she was the hardest to write for because it was just a tough character. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say though, too, a lot of the like crew members and stuff who were interviewed said that they loved Misha and that she was like always really great to work with. Um, And that she was not as unhappy as like Adam and Ben were. (laughs) Which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Like Adam and Ben both wanted to be written off right. the show and instead of um, Misha. And when the, she found out, it seems that she was not happy about it. No. Um, and neither was the mom. No, the mom was upset. <laughs> the mom was upset she wasn't going to be getting that check anymore, probably. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, but I, I did think that that was sad of just like, you know, that they, everyone looking back on Marissa's death, Mm -hmm. who was like from the writers to the crew, they, you know, looking back, I think they were all like, what did we do? And that was like the biggest mistake that they made on the show. Yeah. And I, I understand in one way, I think JJ Philbin says like, well, we thought about like, can we just send her off somewhere? But the, the feeling at the time was, Marissa and Ryan are endgame and that's how we feel about it that's how the audience feels about it so if we try to do anything else with Ryan no one's going to invest in it because Marissa is still out there somewhere and I agreed with that I was like I think that is how I would have been at the time like I wouldn't have invested in like Ryan getting with another character because I would have been like just bring back Marissa like this is dumb like they're supposed to be together Mm -hmm. they're endgame like So I think in the past, I have been like, why didn't they just, you know, let her go off on that boat on that yacht with her dad? Yeah. But when I did, you know, read that in the book of like, but you would have had in the back of your head that she could have come back. I definitely would have. So I've changed my tune on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I get it. Well, also... I thought it was so interesting that One Tree Hill gets a shout out in this book. I loved it. Um, that they were going to do a like car crash in the water and Ryan's trying to get Marissa out of the water. But One Tree Hill and the OC are both Warner Brothers TV shows. So they were like, we can't have both of these shows do a big like car- underwater car crash as the season three finale. Yeah. Yeah. So that like Warner Brothers stepped in and was like, give this to One Tree Hill. They need it. Which I thought was so funny and true at the time. It, yeah. It, and I, I do think that it works better the way that they, they write it um, for the OC, which yeah. is where, you know, the car crashes. Ryan carries her out and he's like, I'm going to go get help. And she says, no, stay with me. Yeah. And then she dies. I mean, it is a beautiful moment. It is. Like, I thought, and I did think Misha Barton did a great job mm-hmm. with that. Like, yeah. And good for her for, like, giving her it all still when yeah. she knows she's basically fired. Like, yeah. that's tough. I also think, like, 
the original ending, like had it been the watery car crash, they were talking about how Ryan gets out of the car and is trying to get Marissa out of the car, realizes he can't get her free and has to leave her. And gives up, which I would not have liked. That would have been really that fucking dark. That would have been dark. a turn on Ryan. It would have yeah. been, it was not right for Ryan. Like that, it's not what he would have done. No. And it would have like, even if he did do it, it would have like really fucked with his character. Yeah, no. head. That's like too dark. Like we get that in like the Vampire Diaries in multiple seasons, but that's, it's different. Everyone's coming back to life. Right. The, the Vampire, Vampire Diaries, Diaries it's, death it's isn't fine. as permanent. So. But like if that had been the ending for, for Marissa, that would have been too much, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting though hearing them also talk about, you know, going into season four after they decided to do the death mm-hmm. and they basically immediately regretted it. Yep. They liked that it was great ratings and whatnot. But because, then- because Misha spoiled it in an interview the day before. Yeah. I was like, they were pissed. Which I do that. remember. I do not remember this. I must have like not. Again, the internet wasn't such a big thing though. So it's like you really had to like watch it or see it. So I think I, think I was watching like TV and like the news came on and they were like watching te- Access Hollywood. I might have been and they teased it. And so then I I think as a result, I like went on the internet to, to verify that this is what actually happened. And I was shocked. Because again, I wow. had stopped watching at that point. You went on Ask Jeeves. Probably, like, yes. Marissa die tonight? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's kind of crazy. She spoiled it. But but again, it's... everyone was being extremely cagey. Yeah. Of just like their thoughts on Misha, on, on a lot of they it. Said there that... was a lot of cagey stuff yeah. going on. Ben didn't speak about Misha one bit. And I was it's mad true. about that. I was like give me something like you guys were like a pivotal couple of this show and like the whole beginning of the show and he did not say a single word about her I mean maybe he's one of those like if you can't say anything nice I don't know maybe or maybe not maybe he just just doesn't have a lot of thoughts about her I don't know I just wanted to know more I need I needed a little bit more of that drama okay yeah yeah I'm still going to lie awake at night thinking about this (laughs) what Ben McKenzie thought of Misha Barton yeah we need to know yeah all right, but season four, yes. you were saying, they they regret it immediately. And so they sort of come in with this new attitude of like, let's bring back the joy. Let's write things that make us laugh, that make us smile, that make us happy. Let's just throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. And boy, did they throw shit at the wall. I mean, this was just... This was not the show to me. Like, And I, I did appreciate there was one director who was like... They just lost, like, the point of, like, what this show was. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it seemed like they had fun, which I think was good. But I'm not a season four stan. I'm with that director who was like, this is not the show. I... I agree, but I also, I like season four. Like season four is weird and it's it's a different show. It's yeah. very different. It's like a, you know, bizarro spinoff type of vibe. I enjoy it for what it is, but it's not like the same as the OC. Yeah. It even like looks different. Like the color palette feels different because this, they're in that like mall set a lot yeah. of the times. They're in like um, Summer's house with all the women are suddenly living in Summer's dad's house. Right. And they're in that new kitchen that we've never seen before. Like it just feels very different. They knew they got canceled, like, what, midway through season four or something like that. And everyone was kind of relieved, is what they said. That they were just, like, everyone was, like, done with this show, Mm -hmm. basically. The only person who also liked season four was Adam Brody, though. He said that he liked the scripts. Finally, he was reading them. Um, But it sounded like... 
you know, all the actors and the people involved with the show, like at the end of it, you know, they were happy. They were relieved it was done. But they did seem to like get emotional about like the yeah. ending of the show. Um, and I thought that was sweet for them all, you know, just being so checked out. But to still in that moment realize like it was, this is a big part of my yeah, life. It was a huge thing for all of them. It changed their lives. And I think that it's nice to know that they ultimately had fondness for it even if they weren't always happy well and I think 20 years later too like them all participating in this oral history which again I'm like truly shocked that they Mm. got like these core four actors like to be in it um and to talk about it because I feel like for so long like they didn't want to talk about it um so I think that it's nice now, 20 years later, they can all really look back on this with like a fondness and realize like that they were a part of something that was really special and, you know, mm-hmm. was a big part of a lot of people's lives. And I, I you know, I, I hate it when it's like actors are like, oh, yeah, that was just something I did. It was a job. And it's like, this is my life. Like, <laughs> this is like my favorite thing and you acting like it's not a big deal and being blase about it pisses me off so I'm just happy that like we're not getting that with any anyone involved in this show and I think like you know they all say like a lot of it does hold up and I think that they're proud of it and that that means a lot to a fan (laughs) it does yeah they made their mark and I'm I'm happy that they that they made the show that they came together to talk about it to give us these inside tidbits about it too yeah um i'm here for all the gossip Mm. i want i want another i want a part two book i know i want like there's more there's more that they did not scratch i want details of all those parties those club appearances like all the shit that they did in season one because they talk about like how they hung out all the time and like i want to know those stories yeah you guys all going out to the club who's hooking up with who yeah first impressions all of each other like when you hated each other like when one of you like stabbed somebody in the back, they did not get into that enough in this book, I thought. I wanted more drama. I know. I would have taken a little bit more of a, a BTS, like who's hooking up, who's fighting with whom, all of that. I think we got a lot of insight, which I really appreciated. Definitely. But yeah. um, I mean, I don't, I'm always down for more juicy gossip. And maybe that, you know, maybe this juicy gossip that we want like truly didn't exist. Like I know Josh Schwartz did say at one point, like, There wasn't like any, you know, crazy stuff that was going on. Everyone just kind of got sick of each other. Um, So maybe that was just it. But yeah, I just feel like some people were being cagey about some stuff that I wanted to go into a little bit more for sure. Agreed. But yeah, overall, this was a really great read. Great insight into the show. Like I highly recommend if you're a fan of the show you will love this book yeah it's easy to read we zoomed through it yeah very Um, quick read um and you just get a lot of like you know interesting tidbits into how this all got made mm -hmm. um which is pretty fascinating actually Um, kind of a miracle I mean most things that get made are it's like impressive but kind of a miracle that this show happened and was as as successful as it was when you think about all the stuff that could have gone wrong I mean cultural phenomenon Mm -hmm. for sure Um, so everyone be sure to go read the book um, if you haven't already it's Um, called Welcome to the OC The Oral History by Alan Sepinwall so thank you Alan for your service yes thank you Alan for giving us everything we wanted all these years I can finally sleep at night knowing why Marissa was killed (laughs) 
<laughs> and if you love the OC, we have done two previous episodes on the OC. Mm. We have one that's all about season one. Um, and then one that's all about, you know, what happened in seasons two, three, and four. Um, so be sure to check out those episodes. Thank you so much for listening. This was a lot of fun. I know. We had a great time. And if you want to know more, you can follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to rate and review us. And you can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at previously on underscore teen TV. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.